This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. And now, from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is the CMO Spotlight, with insight from top executives on how to address the key challenges facing the business world and the marketing industry. Here are your hosts, Catherine Hayes and Jenny Rooney. And welcome to the show. This is Catherine Hayes, and we have a very special show for you this week. We are coming to you from Advertising Week, the 16th annual CONFAB that happens here in New York City. It's actually taking place the same week as uh, the UN is gathering here, so it's a little bit crazy. Um, and in fact, Jenny's uh, still in traffic on her way here. But we've got a couple of great guests. We're going to be talking to Mayor Gupta. He's the CMO of Freshly. And Stephanie McMahon, who is the... Uh, chief brand officer for WWE, as in the wrestling world. So they couldn't have more different backgrounds. Um, we'll start with Mayor, who's here with me in the studio, which is always pretty fabulous. Usually our guests are over on the phone. Um, what's interesting is I'm looking at Mayor, I'm thinking, okay, it doesn't look like he could have a resume where he's CMO at Freshly, Global VP for Growth and Marketing at Spotify before that, uh, Chief Marketing Officer at HealthGrades before that, Global Chief Marketing Technologist at Kimberly-Clark, and it kind of goes on and on. So, uh, a long, wonderful resume, storied resume, lots of awards. So, thank you for being with us today. Thanks, Catherine. Thanks for having me over. Yeah. So, um, let's go ahead and start. We obviously want to get your reactions to being here during Advertising Week, but let's let's do a little background on Freshly and, and what your role is there. Sure. So, um, Freshly is, of course, a fantastic and also the largest uh, direct-to-consumer subscription platform. Uh, We offer uh, fully prepared, um, healthy, convenient, and uh, extremely delicious meals. Um, Our mission is very simple. It is to break down the barrier to healthy eating. Mm. And uh, purpose being to inspire people to you know, unlock their full potential to thrive. And we have a firm belief that, the, you know, wellness these days is a massive facade as well. Everybody uh, is a wellness company suddenly. But mm. we feel the reason why we believe we have the right to play is because nutrition, um, we believe, is the single largest contributor uh, of your well-being. And mm. that is why uh, that's who we are. You are what you eat. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Wonderful. So, um, tell us about the start of Freshly. How long has it been around, and how did it get to be the largest? Yes, yeah, so it's been the company was founded by uh, two uh, two of our co-founders, uh, Mike Weistrack and Carter Comstock. Um, they were both in Arizona. It's been around since two thousand fifteen, and uh, they the two of them couldn't be any different, polar opposite, which I think <laughs> is make a fantastic founding team. A Yin big and reason, Yang. Yin and Yang, and they truly are. And hopefully someday uh, I can introduce and they can be on the on this incredible show. Love. Um, but I think to keep it simple, um, one of them was really trying to solve some life challenges and the other one, which is Mike, um, you know, he's looking for solutions. He's a financial background guy, but an entrepreneur at heart. Um, and Carter is really the other side. So it's almost the art and science. So Mike is the science and Carter can be the art. So he's a very wellness focused and purpose driven and extremely mm. focused on the value of the organization and the culture. So um, all I would say is we started in a small place in Phoenix. Now we are a New York-based company. Um, we started with literally those two guys and maybe three or four other people to now in four plus years, where by the end of this year, 
um, only in 2019, we would have delivered close to 35 million meals wow. just in one year. Wow. And we would have delivered maybe in the last uh, four years itself 30 million. So this year has been a massive uh, hockey stick for us. We went national in January. Uh, we're delivering in 48 states. That's our next question. So where, where, yes. where are the delivery areas? So just just states, urban? Uh, no. So across the 48 states, across coastal and mid-America. Um, and our density kind of maps the density of the population as well. Extremely diverse group of users. And uh, for me personally, joining as my role as a chief marketing officer, I'm sure we'll dig into what that means because it means a million things to a million people today. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's what I always say on the show. It's like, tell us what you really do because it means different things in different companies. Absolutely. And one of the things that truly inspired me and for the first time gave me goosebumps was not as much in the process that I went through to decide to join Freshly, but it was in the second week where I was having still the moments leaving Spotify, which mm. is obviously one of the iconic brands uh, of the last uh, decade and a half or so. So it was a big, big move for me personally, individually. Um, but it was when I first saw some of the stories and experiences that our users were sharing and uh, you almost um, you almost have tears and goosebumps because it was it was this young woman who was sharing how we changed her life wow. and made her feel beautiful in the way she was because her life was so complicated and complex with no time and food not only makes you feel incredible physically but also emotionally and mentally and that that was the aha moment for me post joining that it really made me realize what a massive mission and purpose we have. Um, of course, only time will tell where we land, but at least we are on an incredible path forward. That's fantastic. And profitable? Uh, it's always a, a tough one for new companies. But. Um, I would say um, we're very, very, we're right there. Yeah. It's, uh, it's little that I can share. No, but, but um, I was going to say we were taking notes for the investor community, but yeah. Yes. Um, so uh, let's go ahead and talk about uh, what your role is. So what is it? What does it encompass as chief marketing officer? And then we'll get into a little bit about your time here at Advertising Week. Yeah. So chief marketing officer for me um, is basically, uh, or is there, a, you know, someone who's running the function of marketing, but ultimately, ultimately responsible for growth, mm -hmm. growing the business. And I've last few years, of course, I don't have a marketing background, so I'm a bit of a good or bad, but a misfit. But I've always tinkered around with how do you define the purpose of marketing? And I've always struggled with um, what is the outcome of marketing? What is this for? And what are the strategies and, and the output? Sometimes we, mm -hmm. we mix the two. Um, but in my head, I feel the outcome of why marketing exists in a business is fundamentally to grow the business, which means um, you are inspiring more people to consume your product more often, uh, more times, more frequently, ultimately to get more value out of it. Now, the strategy to do that, how you do that, is uh, I, I think about this Venn diagram where you grow the brand, you grow the user base, you grow the user value. It's not an either-or. Mm -hmm. It is a cross-amplification of all the three. And I'm sure we'll talk about um, companies that index on one versus the other. And I almost feel a lot of the founders these days oscillate between the brand and the user base or so-called brand marketing and performance marketing. But those, to me, are all the strategies. Then the next layer, the third layer underneath is the output. What do you do? I think that's where, as a marketing organization, within the growth of the brand, you have to relook at the mission and the purpose, mm -hmm. you know? but not own it, you have to orchestrate it. Everybody has to own it. Because when you own it, 
I've seen marketing becomes an island and then you get delinked after a three-year cycle. That's a pattern these days. And then there's, there's a lot of science and art and science and tech then underneath the growth of the user base. Just just on that, though, the, um, in terms of the intersection between the two, it's it's absolutely the richness, right? And it's, as you were saying, as a marketer, if you have that passion for what the outcomes are for your audience, not just the outcomes for you as them buying it, but actually knowing that it's making their lives better, then it's, it's pretty easy in those kind of circumstances to really have those two conjoined. Absolutely. And I think if you don't have those, then the third pillar the growth of the user value diminishes. And if that happens, especially in today's world where data and technology has made the consumer um, so powerful right at the center with so much choice, with so much access, it's extremely tough and almost impossible to bring the user back one more time, which means that uh, you can no longer buy retention, you can no longer buy love. You can pay your way to acquisition. It's a lot of hard work to bring them back. Yeah, yeah. Once you sort of break that trust level, especially with something as intimate as food, absolutely, and the core to who they are. Um, well, it's interesting because uh, speaking of Advertising Week, um, which you know I want to get your thoughts on, one of the things that the um, Matt checked or who's the uh, the founder of it talks about in his opening letter on it is that it advertising is really the confluence of culture commerce and communication. And I think that's just at the heart of why this is such an interesting week and why the topics that are coming up and being discussed among marketers and media companies and technology companies, et cetera, is so, is so critical. So tell us a little bit about what you've consumed this week at Advertising Week and maybe get some of your thoughts and suggestions about you know, what, what's striking you. You know, I to be very candid, uh, this is the last quarter is extremely um, busy for for us um, also because I'm going through an evolution where we're moving from media planning to PNL management for marketing mm. that's the role that I have so I'm not as much out there in the advertising week this week this is my experience in advertising week right here with you and um, oh well then you're starting with a very good one then. Th- that's, that's it <laughs> this is uh, I, I thought if I'm doing this I don't need anything else <laughs> <laughs> but I think to your point on the culture, commerce, and community, I think that is spot on in terms of where it begins and where it ends. But I would, I'm sure whoever said that implicitly meant there's another C, which we all want but don't have, which is a consumer and the understanding of that consumer. And I've been to many verticals and made a lot of mistakes through my career, but I'll tell you, no matter which vertical you are in, what size of the company, we all believe we understand our user, but we really do because we are operating on a massively fragmented ecosystem. We all perhaps, you know, if you're directly engaging with the consumer, you perhaps know what they are doing. Very rarely do we know why they're doing that. Mm -hmm. And that's the journey we're all on. And if you don't have that, then the culture, the commerce community, it's, it's all an intrusion. It is all a push. But the more we understand the consumer, um, both the, you know, the, the what and the why, even more importantly, the why, which is the harder question. Um, that's when we start to fulfill not only the functional value, the functional need, but also the emotional right. and the irrational need of the human being. And one of the things that um, I know is a very key theme um, throughout this week is customer experience and um, thinking about it in a much more rich and holistic way. And if there's anybody who could talk about something like that, it's it's you who go to people's homes uh, to nourish them and their families. So tell us a little bit 
a little bit about how you think about customer experience, how you define it, and maybe a little bit about some of the technologies, because I know you're um, a great technologist and have that in your background, how you're using the technologies to really bring that to life. Yes, I think uh, customer experience, especially now in a, in a environment in a world which is you know where the channels are proliferated uh, there are insane amount of touch points touch points are extremely connected now you know there's data and and connecting all single pieces um, you know your friend's name may, may be Alexa and if you happen to call her suddenly you hear something else it's I do have a friend named Alexa actually and, <laughs> yeah and if you happen to have the device as well then you're confused about how to talk to her in your house so it's a very different world we live in. And I think that a consumer experience in that world is all of that. It is it is what you do when you're using the product. It's what you do when you're on the platform. It's what you do when you're off the platform. It's an always-on world that we live in because you're engaging with an always-on consumer. You know, the mom's uh, not deciding to buy the diaper when you're sending her the offer. She's, she's purchasing the diaper at 10.45 when the kids have gone off to sleep on a smartphone. So in my mind, the consumer experience is everything that happens within an organization and outside the organization and i don't and i cannot isolate it right and who you are within the company um when next to the water cooler those conversations and your belief system there is what reflects in the experiences outside and in my mind now your second part of the question around technology data and technology is now intertwined it's inseparable it it's it sometimes like I was thinking in the last 10 months that I've been at Freshly, how many technology decisions have I made? Uh, and this is coming from somebody whose job until a few years back was only to only, build right. technology. None. Because I have a chief product officer, I have a CTO who are my partners, and they're constantly thinking ahead. Where for a change as marketing, we are really thinking about how do I add incremental value to my users? Not only the ones who, who we are predicting to churn, but the ones who are constantly coming back, which is you know, Amazon's day one mindset, mm -hmm. as opposed to thinking about where the technology bottlenecks are. Now, I will say there are some places where you know, we are bottlenecked. As an example, can we predict the behavior of mm -hmm. our users? Can we use data and science to understand how is the user you know, who's still buying and enjoying and loving freshly year and a half later, different from the one who perhaps did not like it enough in the first month? Uh, can I predict those behaviors? Do I have the technology to reach that user in time, not only to respond to the behavior, but to inspire it and influence it and change it for a different outcome? To me, then, technology is is enabling that ecosystem where that removes the friction mm -hmm. within the brand and the consumer and the product. And then, it's the, as it gets as it evolves, it makes that engagement and the conversation more relevant. If you're lucky, more personalized, but I won't go there because that in itself is a topic. It, it is, and in fact, it's probably a good one to talk about because it is another key theme um, here during Advertising Week. And there was a, I think Jenny was on a, a, a panel that talked about um, tech backlash, tech lash. Um, and there was a big report that came out from the AMA about sort of the disconnect between how marketers are thinking about privacy, um, data privacy, and data rights, um, as I think is another really important way of us thinking about it, versus how um, people on the street are feeling about it, consumers. Um, and that there's both here, and I think they, they also did the study in China, really finding that marketers don't, the more power marketers have, they're not necessarily coupling that power with the kind of responsible 
data protection, moderation, you know, I'm not sure I want you to predict everything about what I want to eat next, you know? So I'm sure, especially in your field, I think it would be very interesting to hear your perspectives on how you think about that. Again, given how much how much information you have about your customers. You know, that's a, the, the tech clash, I love that. Um, I think that is fairly accurate. And um, back in the day when I was building marketing tech and ad tech products, mm -hmm. um, perhaps 10 years back, um, and since then as well, there's, this, there's been a massive wave of new technology catered specifically for the world of marketing and advertising and so on. And um, I think the tech clash would be pretty accurate because I think the focus has to evolve from the implementation of these technologies to the application of technologies mm. to build experiences that will change human life. I think there is, it's still a little bit of a hammer behavior where you, you are a hammer and everything looks like a nail. So there's a bit of that. Um, and a bit of that is also because um, the safest bet for a marketer right now is to have all these technologies in your ecosystem um, because not every marketing function is yet held accountable for every dollar spent. Mm -hmm. So some of that is, is a little bit of this journey that we're going through. My hope and belief is next three or four years, uh, a big portion of marketing across across the landscape will focus on uh, how do we best apply it? How do we elevate that experience, et cetera? Um, I would say perhaps the same thing about data as well. Um, the first wave of data was all about the collection of data. Mm -hmm. You know, let's all the touch points, so many systems, um, is all about big data, um, more from our ability to, to digest it, uh, or collect it rather, than it evolved into digestion and synthesization and the harmonization of the data because people started talking about the quality of data. Uh, I think we are living in a world where we have to not translate that into insights and then actionable insights and do something with it. And from a data privacy and protection standpoint, um, again, coming from the world of Spotify and Kimberly Clark back then, and uh, we touch a lot of brands are touching a lot of users. You know, it, we, we don't talk in, in, in millions anymore. We're talking hundreds of millions right. and billions of users. Right. So, I think data security and data privacy um, is a non-topic, which means that you have to. Like, that is not a question anymore. The question is, is the user open to sharing their mm -hmm. data? And my very simple belief is, first of all, there'll always be a segment of user who, who does not want to. And perhaps these are the users who are not your Instagram, your Facebook, your Slack users. So they just, they just, just the life they want to live, and nothing wrong with that. But there's a big portion of this world that is accessing all these platforms. They're choosing to be social to be social players. And that's the kind of user who's very open to sharing their data as long as they're getting a value in return. The challenge happens when their data is being shared with no value coming back, where the value is only going to One the organization. Mm -hmm. That is not fair. So from a Freshly standpoint, we are very hungry to learn more about so our users, speak. so to speak, no pun intended. But we are very hungry for that data because that tells us right. how I can evolve my product, how I, can, how I can make the right healthy food for you, which could be very different, a definition of health for me. And if we only collect that data and use it for our own value and don't bring the value back to you, we'll fail. 
So it must also be a big part of the communication that you have in terms of how you're really able to take that uh, information that's provided in terms of preferences, in terms of how much they've consumed, how much maybe they've wasted, and turn that into something that um, is very easily usable for them. So is that a big part of what you do from a marketing role is is figuring out what those right communications are so that there is that best win-win? It's a huge part. Um, I would not say that marketing solely is doing that. We have a massive data team in the organization. Uh, We have our DNA is in data and the the insights that get out of it. Um, But this also, I'll share a very quick example that shows how we are challenging ourselves every day to apply technology, to leverage those insights, to innovate the product, and go back to the user. So one of a huge part of Freshly's experience is the user feedback, is the product ratings, the meal ratings, what you like, what you don't like. Um, it's a combination of structured and unstructured data, and a lot of comments as well that comes come back from the users. So uh, there was a scenario around five months back where we launched a new dish, and uh, we by the way, it was launched after going through a massive innovation process mm-hmm. where we do a lot of user studies and tests as well. It all passed. But when we went to scale, it was a very different reaction. It was one particular ingredient that people did not like, which is a one particular form uh, of a side dish, you know, cheese-related. And because we use natural language processing technology, um, we were able to decipher that in eight hours. Wow. It took us a week and a half for our core innovation team to take that out, put supplement that with something else, and that skyrocketed in terms of our, our user rating. But that's an example how data, the power of data and science and technology can be used to, one, listen, understand, be always on, and then go back and give and elevate a better, you know, give back a better experience. Perfect. Well, I'm afraid that we're out of time, but it's been so wonderful speaking with you, Mayor Gupta, CMO of Freshly. Thanks, Catherine. Thank you for having me over. Thanks for making the time. Appreciate it. And we'll be keeping uh, keeping up with the continued growth of Freshly. Congratulations. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.